Well, good afternoon, listeners. This is KYRS 88.1, 92.3 FM, Spokane Medical Lake, and you're listening to Art Hour. I'm your host, Mike Malsom, along with co-host, other host, Eric Woodard. Hello. <laughs> Hi, Eric. Um, and um, we have a fantastic guest here today, somebody I've heard play music in Spokane for many, many years, Nick DeHill, uh, head uh, lead band leader of a band called Malonga. It's been here a long time, but Nick also has lots of other creative background things that he does. So welcome, Nick. Thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, thanks Pleasure for coming in. <laughs> so, Nick, um, just we'll just start. Just just kind of give us some background on oh, gosh. your, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, you know where you're from, what the school, how you got into, you know, music, and uh, kind of lead us up to where we're at here. Yeah, I am the youngest of eleven, and I grew up <laughs> outside of uh, Spokane, between Spokane and Cheney. Went uh, K through eight at Cheney School District, Windsor Elementary, Garden Springs, Cheney Junior High, Cheney High School graduate. Um, and my family was always musical, and obviously music's not, you know, my only iron in the fire. I have several, but uh, growing up in that household, music was kind of a recre recreational thing. Uh, my dad was a graphic artist, a fine artist, a sign painter, um, a teacher. He was, you know, he also had a lot of irons in the fire, obviously, to support 11 kids. <laughs> um, so I grew up in that environment where we were either... Uh, you know, kicking out signs out of our sign shop or uh, going to Western art shows, uh, you know, touring with my dad's artwork. Uh, even sometimes we catered. My mom was an amazing caterer and we helped, you know, the kids all pitched in and helped. Um, and in the downtime, it's like we, we had a lot of instruments. My, my dad was kind of uh, notorious for, you know, he'd get, uh, he'd get jobs with a, a local uh, music sh store or something that needed signs and we'd take it and trade for instruments um but being the youngest all the older kids had the cool instruments you know the bass the drums the guitar and the piano everything was taken and so i i got to kind of sit on the sidelines and watch for most of my youth and then as i got older and everybody got out of the house i found an accordion in the closet and that was always kind of a joke. Nobody wanted to play that because it's the accordion. <laughs> well, lo and behold, that's the thing that hooked me into music. And I was never really, you know, aside from playing the slide trombone in fifth and sixth grade, I was never really musical, you know. So I picked up the accordion and plunked around on it and just kind of heard the sound. I was like, oh, I've heard this before, you know, just uh, growing up around, uh, you know, in a Latino family, growing up around uh, – Tex-Mex music mm -hmm. and hearing the accordion in there I was like oh wow that's where this sound comes from and so I started uh you know I, I think I had a Los Lobos CD handy and I, I threw it in and was like oh okay that's that I'm gonna try to play this and whoa failed you know so I, I sat there all night rewinding this one part trying to learn it and by the end of the night had taught myself the intro to this song and by the end of the weekend had learned like three songs and you know months later uh started a band with my cousins and brothers and sisters and aunts and or my uncles and uh did that for a while the family band and just got into jamming more and more with with other musicians around town and and meeting more cats and um eventually branched out you know to do some other projects and then uh started milonga back in 2001 been doing it since so oh. it's you know going on 18 years and it's weird because i i still feel like like I'm not a musician yet, like I'm like I'm pretty green, like I'm pretty young at it, but I've been doing it for, and I know there's a lot of people that wouldn't bat an eye at playing music for 18 years. You know, there's guys in this town that have been playing for 50 plus years. Um, but still, it's it's a long time we've been doing milonga, and, and it, it doesn't feel like it. Sometimes it does, but oh well. <laughs> so you start off with the accordion. You got a guitar here. What other instruments do you play? Well, the accordion... Uh, I mean, I was always raised around percussion, so I always just kind of had a uh, an inkling to get into that. So I got into, you know, congas, timbal, bongo, basically all the Latin percussion, all the hand percussion, Brazilian stuff. And uh, I can't re really remember how I started picking up guitar other than that 
Um, sometimes when our guitarist couldn't make it to gigs, I was trying to comp the chords on the accordion <laughs> and it just didn't sound right. So I picked a couple songs that had easy chords and okay, I'm going to learn these. And, and so I, I played it. And then a couple times when they were there, we would play it with multiple guitarists. Like I, I could be playing the background rhythm while this guy's playing lead and, uh, you know, backing up a more accomplished guitarist and playing with guys like that. I was able to learn a lot quickly from them and they had good advice. Um, and so I just kind of got more and more into, into the guitar and just like for me, um, having kind of a passion for, uh, the various styles, regional styles of Latin music, um, much like the accordion here in that specific sound, I would hear things that like, Oh, that's this type of guitar. Like when I first picked up the guitar, I didn't know the difference between steel string or nylon string mm. and hearing, you know, some of those rhythms that, Oh wow, that's the, you know, that's the nylon string guitar that makes that, or that's the Cuban tres, or that's the Puerto Rican cuatro or the Harana, you know, learning about all these different little guitars that come from these regional places in, throughout Latin America. And, and it just kind of got me wanting to pick up more instruments and, and wanting to learn, um, you know, aside from the sound and the musicality of it and learning to play the instrument, there's a really rich history. There's a, there's an ethnomusicology to it. That's even more fascinating. And so that turned me on to that. Um, of just, just learning like how these styles came about, how these instruments came about. Um, so many of them are actually like a, protest to spanish colonization you know the mm. all the all these little latin guitars the cuban tres the the harana the in the what way are they a protest mm. how, i mean um, how, how would you know that what are well they? and and uh, through through study and and also i've had some really good uh mentors um some some friends of mine that i got to call out they're down in la um quetzal flores and martha gonzalez um they are two amazing ethnomusicologists, Grammy winners. Um, they have a band called Quetzal, and uh, they, they make trips up here every once in a while. And, and every time I'm able to uh, learn from these guys, it just opens the door to want to go find more. Um, but uh, no, in, in just any part of, of uh, Latin America where you have the mix of uh, Spanish colonization, bringing African slaves to an indigenous population, that mix of those three cultures, um, for the most part, were always kind of controlled by the Spaniards. Um, and obviously the, you know, Africa brought the drum, the rhythm. Mm. And uh, so much of the, the melodic side of it comes from the indigenous um, or the vocal stylings. But specifically like in, if you pick a Mexican son jarocho from the Veracruz, you know, the Yucatan region, um, they're, They've got all these little guitars that are that are carved out of one piece of wood, the oh. neck, the body, and everything. Wow. They Jeez. carve them out of one solid piece and then put a top on it, and and string it. And and to look at it, you know, they they look like like this, like a guitar, but they're smaller or they're different different number of strings, different tuning, different configuration. And uh, the reason being is in in uh, you know plantation societies. Slave owners were worried about uh, groups of people communicating with each other, plantation to plantation, with their drum rhythms. So they stripped mm -hmm. them of their drums. And uh, so, uh, you know, they, they, they took away their African drums. So they in, in Cuba, they started building cajones. And the police oh, would come and that. say, hey, yeah. we heard there's drums going on here. <laughs> no, there's nothing here, just a bunch of boxes, you know. <laughs> and, and, and so in... Uh, in Mexico, in, in, you know, down Yucatan, it's like when they, when they were caught playing their drums, they would cut off their hand. Whoa. And yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty horrible. I mean, mm -hmm. and so that's why they started making, you know, bastardizing the, the Spanish guitar into these, they're, they're basically drums, you know, it's like the way that they're playing them, they're, they're raking them, they're beating on them, they're, it's very percussive. You know, now is there a song you could play that would illustrate um, that? Not on this guitar. I okay. mean, well, I, yeah, there is a rhythm I could play. It's called uh, Wapango, and this is just like a.
so that's that's one that you find that that got kind of refined into what's now like mariachi music mm. which is hundreds of years later um but the uh you know the the son harocho has a lot of uh there's a lot more flair going on you know <laughs> And I'm, I'm not even doing it right there because this isn't the right. I've got this little guitar that sounds perfect for that. So how would the other guitar sound different um, to that? Way more high-pitched. If I, oh, okay. if Probably if I took a capo on the fifth fret up there. But it's the other one's in like double courses, kind of like a 12-string. Where this, I've got six individual mm. strings. This other guitar has got uh, five double courses. So it's like ten eight or ten strings in double courses and it's smaller so it's, it's higher smaller pitched. yeah and, yeah. and yeah. you just rake the hell out of it it's, <laughs> it's really cool it's it's a lot of fun you know and what's the difference in tone um, between those guitars um well actually th this has like a more uh you know kind of fuller broader warmer sound the, the the smaller guitar has a uh um and it's it's actually a puerto rican cuatro but i've changed the string configuration to be like a mexican harana so it's a kind of a hybrid of the two but it has, uh, it can get really high pitched and it can also sound real drummy, is the cool thing. Okay. Like playing the percussive side, or it's got like a bit of a bit you know, it's like, I can't really find the frequency of it, but <laughs> not on this guitar. Yeah. But uh, when I play it, I should have brought it, you know. Um, <laughs> maybe but, next time. Yeah, maybe next time. Yeah. So is it hard to learn to play all these different guitars or are they all pretty similar? Um, it is. There are similarities, but they are different, totally different animals. Like the uh, the Cuban tres, for instance, was actually the first non-guitar guitar that I tried to play, and uh, I I learned that from the accordion. So the Cuban tres is actually three double courses. So instead of playing chords, you're just playing triads, and uh, they're based off the montuno patterns that a piano would play, like in salsa music. So uh, the tres is uh, not at all like like a guitar but i didn't know this when i picked it up yeah. because i wasn't an accomplished enough guitarist to know what the difference was so i learned these triads from uh like a piano book on salsa music and i i played them on the accordion and took that and just translated it string by string to the tres and taught myself the, the chord positions for that. So did you teach yourself all this stuff? Yeah, pretty much wow. self-taught everything. I mean, I, I do go seek out, like, uh, you know, stuff to learn from and, and people that I, you know, try to emulate or, or, or whatever, you know, just uh, tidbits. Did here other there. your siblings also, I mean, did you learn from them as well, or is this stuff that you just Not really so much. Them? I mean, it's like I... I uh, I do have an older brother that was always a really good guitarist, but he was into the blues, and I still to this day don't know how to play the blues. Um, really? Yeah. It and doesn't so seem I, like it'd be that hard to learn after. It, it's not. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, from what, well, from what I hear, it's just I've never spent the time to get into that. Uh, it's like a different dialect, different language, mm -hmm. different scales. But you it, know so many dialects already. That's uh, just interesting Yeah, but to it's – I, I don't know what what made me go down this road instead of that road. Yeah. So uh, you just recently um, helped out or uh, put on, or I don't know if you were produced, but the the flamenco show that was just uh, here recently. Yes, at the down Bing. at the uh, at the Bing uh, a couple of weeks ago. I didn't put that on. I was just part of it. I was oh. uh, I played percussion in that. Um, my good friend Monica Mota Romberg, she puts that on every year, and uh, it's it's cool to be. This is our third year doing this, and it's really cool to to watch that project also grow. Um, you know, Milonga has been over almost 18 years now. And in the three years we've done this uh, flamenco project, it's, it's you know, the first two years we sold it out, had to grow to a bigger venue. We got to the Bing. We didn't sell it out, but we had, you know, close to 400 people in there, oh, wow. which is a pretty That's decent great. crowd. And this year was really awesome because we had a lot more, like, uh, kind of visuals going on with the performance not just the music um obviously the dancers the flamenco dancers are you know like the supreme piece of the whole thing and and there's just so much powerful technique and and artistry going on there but uh yeah she brought in a uh uh aerial acrobat that was really amazing uh, uh -huh. shauna from new york and and that uh that just added a whole nother dimension to it that was really awesome um, she added another uh, a male dancer this time, this guy from, uh, I think he's over in Seattle, but he's originally 
Cuban, Cuban guy that got into flamenco dancing. So he brings all this, uh, all this rhythmic attack to it, and just all this, you know, he's he's really creative, you know. And uh, and then I I came up with a uh, I did the the visual promotions for the for the whole thing and uh, came up with this big huge crow that we made for the background of it. That was amazing. Um, and that was that was a real easy you know cheap and easy way to do it. You know, growing up in a sign shop, you can learn to cut in any corner. You know, <laughs> cheap and easy. But uh, no, we had a great time, and uh, this this lineup this year was really super fun. A good bunch of people, really talented, easy to play with you know uh, musician wise so i saw some clips of the guitar play because flamenco guitar i mean is is, is another style yeah, it's it's another level man it's just uh and that's so i was curious is if you're going kind of like i'm going going to the woodshed now i'm gonna no I, I i honestly there's yeah there's there's i don't see myself as ever being on that level um just and it's funny because this guy that we we're uh that i was jamming with he's he's only like 28 years old but he's been playing since he was 10. Wow. Yeah. And I was like, well, wow, that's 18 years right there. But I mean, <laughs> he did grow up in Granada, Spain, you know, so that's, that's kind of a difference than growing up in Spokane. It's like, you've yeah. got, you've got more of an influence of the real stuff right there, but no, I'm, I'm definitely content to be playing uh Cajon in that group. It's, it's challenging enough to, to just learn these rhythms and learn these styles and, and, the crazy thing is, is, is being around all these flamenco people is most of them have, uh, at the very least, 10, 20, 25 years experience. And I'm just getting, this is like my mm -hmm. third gig, you know? <laughs> so I'm just, I'm pretty green to this, but it's like, it's, it's challenging enough that I want to dig in and learn it, you know? Um, and uh, so it's, it's been a lot of fun to, to just play cajon, play rhythms in the, you know, for a project like that. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so the musicians and the dancers are kind of from all over the place. And then we have a, a local person, though, that puts that on. Correct? Yeah, that's Monica. She yeah. she and I are the only two local local people here. And uh, she actually moved up here from New Mexico um, a few years back. And, and it's cool. She's, uh, you know, she's she's a very dedicated artist at, at bringing this to the Pacific Northwest because we don't really have flamenco right, yeah. up here and this area hasn't been exposed to it and it's the interesting thing is that at these shows the the, the crowd kind of doesn't know what to do with flamenco mm -hmm. yet mm -hmm. and uh last year we had a guy come up from california that's originally from uh sevilla and he was saying that you know he's used to people throwing roses at you and all mm -hmm. this stuff and standing up cheering in the middle of your song and here it's like people wait till the end of the song to cheer and and that's cool because it's this is Spokane. We haven't really been around that. But uh, uh, no, Monica has all these connections with people that she's brought in. Last year, uh, she brought in this guitarist from uh, Santa Fe. It was really awesome. And uh, she has a friend in Seattle that's uh, a dance partner. And the, the two of them kind of anchor um, this project. And they, you know, they've done this every year that we've done it. Um, Amelia more is her name and uh yeah she's she's got a, a handful of people that she calls because it's a pretty rare uh there's from what i understand there's not a lot of people in the continental u.s that do flamenco on on that level mm -hmm. um, to where it's they're able to improvise and and still you know stay in the formula cool well i'm thinking we're about you know through there where maybe nick could uh you have a little song you could uh do for us <clears throat> Uh, yeah, I got this one. Uh, let's see here. This one is an original tune. It's called Caliente. And uh, here we go. <laughs> Fuego, 
ponemos a prueba templado por la diversidad y en el fuego y mantenemos la calma como el oro el corazón purifica ya no importa el Yeah. So tell us about what 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 that song was, where it came from, what maybe tradition that came out of. Caliente. I mean, musically, it's kind of a mishmash of. I wouldn't call it flamenco, but it's flamenco inspired. You know, some of the rhythms. Uh, you know, obviously, I'm not a trained flamenco guitarist, but just some of the. I find similarities. You know, playing flamenco, playing Afro-Cuban, playing Mexican mariachi, playing Latin jazz. Um, even playing Latin American pop, there's a lot, there's more similar than there are differences. And I think that ultimately is like my mission in making music is to highlight that we as people, not just we as Latinos from the different countries that we're from, whether it's the U.S. or foreign countries or, you know, wherever, um, we as people, um, there's there's more similarities to what we are than there than the differences mm -hmm. and the differences are to be celebrated as well you know and so this is kind of a mishmash of like uh cuban rhythms and flamenco inspired stuff as well as uh you know mexican mariachi groove there but uh the kind of the lyrical content of it is just uh you know when when things get when things get difficult in your life, uh, you know, we tend to shy away from those things. But I've always, I've always seen when, when things get most difficult in my life is when you embrace that is when you come through that. It's like when you, when you embrace the fire, um, you're less likely to get burned. It's like when you try to avoid it, you know, then, then it's, then it becomes a problem. But, uh, but as you, as you kind of embrace you know, like kind of, it just, it is what it is. You know, something's happening in your life. Yeah, it is what it is. Deal with it and get through it. You know, it reminds me of that old saying, courage isn't not feeling fear. It's uh, feeling the fear and, and doing it anyway. Yeah, exactly. That yeah. kind of thing, you know? And, uh, so there's a, in the second verse, which I didn't get to, there's a, there's a part in there that says, el, el fuego más caliente viene del alma. It's like the, you know, if you're, if you're worried about getting burned by the fire, remember that the hottest fire is in your soul. You know, so there's, there's, there's not a lot to be afraid of in, in that sense, you know. So 18 years with yeah. Malonga, and you, you touched on a little bit about uh, your mission or philosophy. So um, here in Spokane with Malonga or with your studying, and you, it sounds like you're just a, a, like a lifelong learner regarding your music. And what is it you hope hope to be able to say that you've done or are striving to do like 10 years from now where do you where do you see this uh... oh gosh um you know i i i always hope to reach a wider audience and uh, i think that's one thing that my uh, my bandmates and i have been blessed with uh over these many years is you know sometimes we get uh, you know we used to cram ourselves in a lot of small little clubs and play you know to the bar scene and, and we had a lot of fun, but then once we got out playing festivals and weddings and traveling, you know, traveling around the Western states, is when it got really fun, is because you meet more people, you bring more people kind of into the tent, and you, like, you get more, more of a diverse fan base. And uh, it's just a lot of fun to, to bring people of different walks of life together 
that probably wouldn't normally even get along or consider hanging out with each other. But when there's happy music playing, you can kind of shed all of those, all of those things that separate us, you know. What do your road gigs look like? Where where do you play? Uh, um, what what kinds of venues? Well, we we haven't done much for this this winter. I mean, winter we do kind of hole up a little bit, but in the summertime we travel. We get around to, like I think it was last summer we we played a a wedding out in Natchez. Um, we we get out to Portland. We get out to Seattle. We're heading over to Missoula next weekend. Five of us. And uh, just kind of, what is it, uh, Montana, Idaho, Oregon, Washington, you know. Now you said, oh, I'm sorry, Mike. Yeah, go ahead. But you said five of you. So f- is five the smallest unit that you No, you no, there's at? actually, we have a lot of facets of it. Like there's <laughs> there's the 10-piece band, which is kind of the full meal deal. And then depending on the budget, we'll whittle it down to uh, all Two. the way down to solo, <laughs> uh, trio, yeah. five-piece, six-piece, just whatever, you know, works for what somebody can afford. Um, we, we did have a time when, uh, you know, we used to turn down a lot of work because, oh, not everybody in the band can make it. It's like, we, we, you know, we've got, uh, you know, a percussionist that can't make it or a horn player that can't make it. And it's like, well, the show must go on <laughs> to some degree, you know? Well, getting 10 people schedules coordinated yeah. is not easy. It is. Yeah. It's, it, it's not, it's, it, that's, that's, I would say the hardest thing of it all is just coordinating the schedules. And I think that's mm-hmm. why we've, we've done the the smaller lineups it just affords us the ability to still continue to play like for myself it keeps me in practice you know it 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 helps me to become a better guitarist a better singer um so that if if i were to only do this when when the full milonga played i'd be really rusty every gig you know Mm -hmm. and so this affords us you know not just me but all of us the opportunity to keep uh the milonga name you know kind of in the public a little bit and whether it's the trio or the, you know, even even solo, it's um, <clears throat> so that it, you, you kind of have to keep a, a little bit of momentum going. So when you do have a Milonga show uh, with everybody, people haven't forgotten who you are, you know, because <laughs> yeah. there's not a lot of uh, there's not a lot of place to support that size of a band in this mm-hmm. town, you know. But talking about places to play, I think the last time we talked, you got a big gig coming up this summer back east. Uh, oh. yeah, that actually just fell through. Oh, we were, no. yeah, it's, it was a big, it was a big, uh, man, we were, we were in, uh, negotiations for about three months with this gig out in, uh, North Carolina and, uh, our old, uh, trumpet player moved out there a few years ago and, uh, dropped our name in a hat for like, you got to check these guys out for a band, you know, cause they're, they're booking, you know, good bands out there and he says well they had a a, like a prince cover band out there that was horrible and uh he's like you gotta you gotta call my old band get them out here and so uh yeah long story short we we were uh in the works to go out there and open for Wyclef Jean oh wow and then he (laughs) fell through something something with him fell through so the the festival organizer was telling me if you know anybody that's on the level that we could get for a headliner um, because I mean, we don't have a, any kind of following out there. We've never been out to the East coast. They don't know right. us and we're not mm-hmm. famous, you know, and I have no problem with that. And, um, so they were like, if you can help us find anybody, you know, we're desperate. So I started calling everybody I know. <laughs> and, uh, then long story short, they just bailed on everything and went with, uh, a couple of nineties rappers that they got like a good deal on a package deal for two of them. I think it was, uh. Bismarcky and Tone Loke, <laughs> which is that's cool because I I was into that kind of music when when I was younger, but it's just like I was I was bummed that we weren't going to go out there and yeah. we had kind of a, a short you know three four day tour planned and uh, oh well, live and learn. Oh, I'm sure something like that will come around again. Yeah, you know. Yeah, uh, Milonga. Um, that mean anything in terms of yeah it means a lot man uh it means party and dance now there is a there is a style of tango music called milonga which not to be confused but they both come from the same origin of in like the mid 1800s urbanized latin countries like argentina cuba spain a milonga is a type of musical gathering like an informal but traditional where people get together and uh almost like a potluck you know bring some wine bring some booze bring some food 
come jam at so-and-so's house or jam on the street corner or in the backyard and people are going to dance to it you know and and uh, that's there's improvisation going on there between the musicians between the dancers and between the musicians and the dancers and that's what milonga means is that that interaction of party and dance where the uh the musicians will will play something that inspires the dancers to move a certain way the dancers will move a certain way which inspires the musicians to play something you know and i find that uh in every form of musica latina that i've had the privilege to play in flamenco in afro-cuban in son jarocho in mariachi in you know latin jazz that that communication is there not just in milongas in rumbas in fandangos in all those traditional gatherings where they're very impromptu none of it's none of it's scripted out uh, uh you know for the most part latin music is taught traditionally through uh you know your family members your friends your aunts and uncles mm -hmm. rather than in an academic setting and uh so in that sense it's like uh the the improvisation and communication is the thing that i pick up on when i when i'm playing flamenco uh i i hear the communication between the the lead dancer's feet and the guitarist the same as i would as if i heard the the quinto player in a rumba and watching the the rumbero that's dancing you know mm -hmm. there's just there's so much communication going on in all these little parts um and that's what to me is is just it's like a i don't know it's like a fire of colors you know <laughs> well i can attest to that um listening to malonga for several years now but it's really cool to see uh you got the big full band up there and you know and my wife being latina but it, it does not take long and they cannot contain themselves. <laughs> I love you that. Know, the hips yeah. start moving. But the other thing is, is what I really like about it, and I think that's what you were talking about, is you see the whole uh, mix of the crowd. Maybe somebody that's never even yeah. heard you. They're getting out there, and it is just one massive uh, people get, just can't s sit still. I remember the, uh, and there's, you know, there's been a lot of different instances of people that have come up to, say that they enjoyed the music but the one one of them that really sticks out that surprised me the most we were at a big outdoor festival and you know just had the place swinging and right as we got done this guy come up to me and said man that is the most fun i've had this music is awesome and he was covered in like swastika net neck tattoos <laughs> oh, and wow. all this like uh you know <laughs> neo-nazi paraphernalia that i wouldn't think somebody would be into latino music you know and uh, I was just like, wow, that's a testament to that, you know, whatever, whatever you're into, this, this can transcend that, you know. So is there a song that pretty much always brings the house down? Is there one that seems to be oh, a favorite that you gosh. play? There is one called Viva La Musica that's kind of our, I, I don't know if I would call it our hit, but every time we play that, people dance to it. There's another one called Spain In Your Face that's kind of a showstopper. Um, you know, and it's, they're, they're kind of ones I really can't do without my bandmates. Oh, darn you know? it. No. Yeah, Yeah, I did because there... <laughs> there's, there's uh, obviously there's so much to, so much more to it than just mm -hmm. me. Um, and, and, uh, I, I do play a lot of gigs solo, but it's kind of mm -hmm. more of an intimate setting. It's more kind of chill old cantina songs and stuff like that where you know the the stuff that people like to come out and dance to is the full big band you know right. and that's where that's where i'm really blessed is because my bandmates are way more musical than i am and and that's the uh in that sense i'm struggling to keep up with with their talents you know and uh yeah it's just <laughs> I don't, I don't know what else to say about that. <laughs> so <laughs> what's a song you really enjoy playing solo? I'm just trying to get oh, you to play gosh. another song. I want to hear okay, another yeah, one. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, here's one I do kind of solo. This is a uh, this is a cover. It's called Como el Viento. Um, and I've kind of taken and put it into like a cumbia groove. And 
this was written by this guy, uh, Jairo Zavala. Um, Zavala or Zavala? Anyways, uh, known as De Pedro. And he's one of the guys uh, written the game in Mexico. Oh. You ever heard of them? Mm-hmm. I have. And uh, it goes like this. Solo contigo, solo soy feliz y yo te miro, basta tu aliento, para que me sienta como el viento, como el viento, como el viento, como el viento, desde mi cuerpo. Esta mañanita te has vestido de felicidad. Como todos los días desde que te veo caminar, siempre luchando entre toda esta mediocridad, siempre aguantando a los que te quieren pisar. Solo contigo, solo soy feliz y yo te miro, basta tu aliento para que me sienta como el viento, como el viento, como el viento. Como el viento, mece mi cuerpo, mece mi cuerpo, mece mi cuerpo, mece mi cuerpo, mece mi cuerpo. Yeah, love it. That's great. Mike even had to put on his headphones for that oh, one. Oh, yeah, I always got it. <laughs> you guys have headphones. I'm just doing this without Yeah, uh, no, it sounds great. Yeah, 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 it sounded good. Yeah, for sure. So Mike told me earlier you're also an instrument maker. Is that true? Um, Yeah, a little bit. I make, uh, you know, I got a lot of things that I dabble in. It's, it's crazy. Just a lot of irons in the fire. And uh, I do build and sell, uh, design, build, and sell cajon drums, which uh, the cajon is a is a box that you sit on and play with your hands. It originally came uh, as shipping crates in the slave trade that African slaves uh, played music on. And uh, they came across with the Spaniards and brought that to Latin America. And it was highly developed uh, throughout the centuries in Peru. And so Peru takes a lot of credit for the development of the the cajon as an instrument. Um, However, it didn't it wasn't started in Peru, you know, um, and then it came full scale back to uh, Spain in the 70s. They put snares in it and started using mm. it in flamenco music, mm. Paco de Lucia. Um, and now, man, the cajon is starting to pop up in folk mm-hmm. bands and jazz and hip hop and all. It's all over the place. And there's a huge market uh, for all sorts of different kinds of cajones. You can find just about anything except a really well-made cajon. And that's where I wanted to build something. It's like there's so many things that you're going to go spend two, $300 for that's cheap and falls apart easily and doesn't really sound all that good. And so a lot of the, uh, you know, big percussion companies that, that uh, you know, build their product overseas and, and ship it, they're, they're building their cajones based on, like, how many X amount of cajones out of X amount of plywoods, sheets of plywood with his little waist. And... So that lends itself to a shape that's not very comfortable to sit on and play, and the size of it doesn't sound very good. And I was like, well, I'm going to build one that sounds good and is easy to play. And, uh, yeah, they sound great. They're fun to play, mm-hmm. and they're strong. You know, they're, they're durable. Um, they're ergonomically better for you. Uh, people that play cajon complain that it's, man, it hurts my back. I can't play it all night. And it's like, so I invented one that's a little narrower and deeper so that it's you don't have to bend over to play it, and it saves your back. It's it's better for you in that sense. Um, and so then the with the drop material that I had, the extra material left over, uh, I wasn't uh, it wasn't doing anything with it. So I I decided uh, well I'm gonna try to make bongos, and so I made cajon bongos that actually ended up to be pretty darn cool. <laughs> and uh, so I build cajones and bongos. Um, I've got like my own little side gig. It's called Big Cajones. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> everybody gets a kick out of that. If you made know. t-shirts of that, they'd sell yeah. it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> and that's another thing I do is I do t-shirts and apparel. And, oh, right on. Yeah, he's um, a graphic designer. Uh, yeah, I do uh, graphic arts, commercial art, and uh, I, I help uh, – Small businesses, local businesses promote their own, you know, whether it's designing their own brand and then implementing it to their 
whether it might be vehicle wraps or t-shirts or keychains or whatever you know taking that brand and and putting it where they want to use it um, wall graphics and signs and stuff like that so so your day i mean i'm just trying to think because you took you kind of followed in your dad's footsteps right as yeah. a sign painter yeah but that's really branched out it's like you're kind of walking into this studio with all these like yeah Boys see, to start playing with. see my my dad was always uh you know he was very diverse in everything that he did and when i got to college i started out at uh, sfcc and couldn't decide uh you know they wanted me to choose between fine art or graphic design and my dad always taught me that uh you know trying to pick one of those two is like trying to pick which foot to walk on you know you got to have two because a lot of that work is so seasonal when one thing dies, you got to have something else to keep the bills paid. And uh, so that's where I get into building cajones. That's where I get into another project I've got is is taking uh, like mini electric guitars, three-quarter guitars, and converting them to a Cuban tres so that it's a playable, in-tune electric Cuban tres that's not going to feed back, which for you know professional working musicians that play that kind of music is a godsend you know so i'm starting to sell a few of those on uh ebay and and uh you know just off off of youtube it's like i'll i'll build one of these things shoot video of it being played and you know get a few emails man i need to order one of those you know can you can you build me this or can you build me that and so that's a lot of fun you know um but it's it is a money-making endeavor and and I've had a few people approach me about, you know, you should take that big time. And, you know, the, the problem with that is there are millions of guitarists in the world who are looking for guitars. There are dozens of trace players. <laughs> in the so there's never going to be, you know, yeah, there are probably dozens of treseros in, in the, you know, this Western hemisphere. Oh, is there an instrument because uh, you're dabbled in so many instruments is there one that you haven't tried to conquer yet either to make or to play that you look forward to trying oh gosh um there is one i've been you know for a couple of years kicking around uh wanting to build and it's very similar to a cajon, to a cajon it's called a marimbula and it's like a it's a big cajon you sit on and it's got these metal tongs that they're like marimba. It's a bass instrument. So it's oh. you, you play this thing, it sounds like an upright bass. But it's a box you sit on and play these, you know, metal tongs that stick out. And you can you can shift them around to tune them. And uh, that's, that's something I've been wanting to do for uh, many years, but just haven't had the gumption to dive into it, you know. Where would somebody go? Um, I mean, I know the cajones because people around town... I would say, yeah, we know this guy. Then he builds those. Yeah, well, that's where I got this one, you know. So mm -hmm. you, you got a, a reputation, at least locally around that. But for somebody that wanted to um, do that, do you have like a specific site where you promote your instruments that you're making? Um, I did have a website going for a while, and it's down right now, but I'm, I'm working on getting it back up. It was bigcajones.com. Um, but it's I'm on Facebook, and I'm mm -hmm. on Instagram, and I do get a lot of my business just through that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've tried putting them in stores a couple of times, but, uh, it's hard because for, for something locally made, they want it so dirt cheap, um, almost. And, and I'm not trying to build cheap cajones. There's already enough of those out there. I'm actually, you know, building a high end instrument. And so it's, it, I actually charge more for mine than you would for a cheap cajon in a store and it's just it's hard to get that through to a lot of music store owners that you know i don't want to be i don't want to try to compete in the cheap market i it, so that's why it's easier for me to do it on my own um rather than consign part of my earnings towards that you know so um and, and i i don't have a problem with that it's like if i uh you know if i built a dozen of these things a year i'd be happy and it would make good money for me you know same with the, the the tres guitars it's like there's it's it's kind of a niche market and uh it's not really something i can take big time nor do i necessarily want it to be uh you know like a factory line assembled instrument i want it to be something that's hands-on made by one person designed by you know it's like it's it's artistry 
Um, I, I want to continue to put my expertise and my care into the fabrication of that, you know. Yeah. Getting back to Malonga again, I was just thinking, yeah. you know, that's a long time for bands <coughs> to stay together. Do you have any members of the band that you started with that are still – I know – George has been with you a long time. George has been with me the longest. George De La Rosa um, has been with me since 2002. Um, he wasn't our original conguero, though. Yeah. Um, we've And obviously a lot of people have come and gone from the band mm -hmm. over the years, but we have had a, a core group of guys, um, aside from George, uh, Eddie Ramirez. Actually, no, I take that back. Greg White uh, joined up in 2003 left for a while and came back and, and he and Eddie Ramirez share the bass chair. Um, Eddie's kind of the, the main guy for the full Milonga gigs. And then uh, Greg does a lot of the smaller stuff with me and George, the trio gigs and, and the five piece where we kind of keep that ball rolling. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, we've, you know, we've had our handful of, uh, you know, people that have played for a few months and left or, or played for a year or two or even people that have played for a five-year stretch. And uh, it's just, you know, things change in your life. And a while back we had a really cool lineup where uh, a bunch of our uh, band, like half of our band were students at Eastern. <laughs> but then, uh, you know, everybody ended up graduating and moving on. And, and so we lost that part of the band. And it's, you know, you, you miss people. It's uh, because it's, for me, it's more like family than, mm -hmm. than a musical project. Um, but still, it's it's uh, you know you meet new people and they introduce you to other players when they leave or other players when they're just hanging around still. And uh, that's the cool thing about Milonga is that it's all been through uh, associations. You know, it's like uh, I actually met George through our old conga player, and then George introduced me to Eddie you know, who's now our bassist. Mm -hmm. And uh, <clears throat> Greg uh, White, our other bassist, introduced me to Greg Brandt, who was our longtime piano player for, you know, 15 years, something like that, you know. And uh, he introduced me, or George also, and our old conga player introduced me to Steve Maurer, who was our, our trumpet player, who introduced us to Miguel Maldonado, <laughs> our other trumpet player, who introduced us to Jesse Flanagan, who's our current trumpet player. And uh, Miguel also introduced us to Brian Mueller, who was our bone player for a long time. And um, yeah, I think it'd be kind of Jesse cool Smith to have a, like a Malonga like reunion. Family and tree. I can oh, just yeah. imagine what that would be. Oh, yeah, that would be awesome come, to Wouldn't have that a, be great? You know, we have at, uh, a couple of times had close to it, like where, you know, so-and-so's in town and we've got, you know, like a big show like Pig Out in the Park or something. We once had, I think, 14 people up on stage. And uh, so that's cool. But yeah, we've never had like everybody that's ever played with, you know, yeah. everybody who's ever fired a shot in the Lincoln War or whatever. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like we've never had everybody that's ever played with Milonga, but that would be quite an endeavor. I, got... Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to yeah. say, do we have time for one more song before we uh, get out of here? We've only had two. Yeah. I'd like to hear one more before we go. I think what else I got here? Uh, I, I mean, I got tons of songs, but... Uh... <clears throat> I'm going to do, uh, this one's called Princesa Fria. This is uh, like a Guajira cha-cha-cha. Princesa Fria, chica presumida. ¿Por qué piensas tú? Que te quiere mi vida, de que me odias, porque ya tengo a otra, que te enojas si te digo, ya no te quiero más, no me diste ningún cariño, pero chisme. Tú, 
quien te quiere en mi vida princesa fría chica presumida porque piensas tú que te quiere mi vida So where can uh, people find this stuff if they like what they hear? Where where can they find your music? Um, I've, we've got uh, we've got our we have one album so far. We're actually talking about cutting the second one here, but the first one is called the Brown Album. It was released back in 2009, and it is for sale on uh, Amazon and CD Baby. And the name of the band is Milonga M I L O N G A. So you can look up Milonga the Brown Album and find it on Amazon and CD Baby. Um, we're also on uh, Facebook and Instagram, um, as well as SoundCloud. And so if, if anytime you want to just like web search Milonga Spokane, that'll take you to all our various outlets. And do you have a big gig coming up this summer that people can look forward to and uh, circle on the calendar? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, since, uh, since everything's gotten online, I have trouble remembering the gigs. I know uh, we have the day before Cinco, um, we're still working on our Cinco de Mayo, but Cuatro de Mayo, we're going to be at a block party between uh, the Elk and Pack Ave Pizza. Come check us out at that. And, and the, you know, we also have all the Art Fest, Art on the Green, Pig Out in the Park, stuff like that. And you pretty much play those every year? Yeah, pretty much every year. I mean, it's like there's one or two festivals that will stagger it to once every other year just to keep some variety in it, you know, because it can saturate when you just play it all the time but uh yeah we there's a lot of stuff that we do just uh on a regular basis yeah and again to order like or if people are interested in the instruments you're making or the guitars the cajones they would just go on your facebook instagram yeah facebook i'm on uh facebook instagram and youtube um i, I actually sell a lot of the cajones and cuban tres guitars from youtube oh. and instagram mm -hmm. um but yeah, there's, uh, you know, it's easy to get a hold of me. <laughs> ah. Well, I really enjoyed getting to meet you. I enjoyed getting yeah, to hear you. your Likewise, music. Yeah. I, yeah. I feel like I learned a lot, and uh, I can't wait to come out and maybe boogie with Mike's wife. <laughs> <laughs> get your shoes, dance your yeah. shoes on. Nick, it was an absolute pleasure as always. Thanks, um, you guys. Thanks yeah, for taking the time. I appreciate to, you having me yeah. in here. Yeah, You're thanks welcome. for coming in. You bet. <laughs>